Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Now then, if I had to set up and, um, you know, they just had uh, baby girl, but here's the thing. If, uh, have you told anybody that, 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 that you, you've had a baby girl? Have you told anyone? Just have you, a few, yeah. Just a few. <laughs> did, you on, did you on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you told anybody word of mouth? Yeah. Were you ashamed at any point? No. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, don't you? <laughs> See, we get the gospel of Jesus, the gift of Christmas, yeah. and, um, and we, we never tell anyone because we think, no, we don't want to put them off. Put them off what? They've nothing to be put off yet because they don't know anything. So they can't be put off until you tell them something. And, and tell them and then let them decide whether they're going to be put off or not. When told me it had a bit, I was so put off. I thought, babies again, the world's full of them. You see, often it's how we feel about what we're talking about rather than, rather than them. And so if you're all nervous about it, they're going to be nervous and edgy. That's why you have to be big, bold, and bright yeah. when you're sharing your faith. And I don't mean shouty, shouty, just big, bold, and bright. Just saying, oh, it's absolutely amazing. Give me life to Jesus Christ. It's changed, it's changed my life. And when they come back with all the kind of, oh, I've never seen God and all that. Like, you just smile and just saying, well, <laughs> me neither. But you know what? It became real to me. I'm forgiven. And you're not, you don't have to explain yourself. Walk off and be the mystery in their life. Yeah. Because we don't always know what to say. But tell them the good news. And when it's good news, you can't keep it to yourself. You can't. But uh, the problem with global church is you can. And I'm like, and then new people come and they get Jesus and they're like, this is amazing. Well, like, yes, could you want a coffee? Do you want a finger biscuit? Do you want a this? And do you want a that? And do you want another? Do you want a... It's like, just tell them about Jesus. Why don't we just tell them about Jesus? Yeah? Just tell them about Jesus. Just trying to say it loud enough. The people downstairs will be going home to wife. <laughs> who have you been talking to? I've been talking to Jesus. That's who I've been talking to. So tell them about Jesus. And so I want a year where we just tell people about Jesus. And yeah, you might lose your cred. And people might mock you and laugh at you and stuff like that. Ooh, ooh, nearly as bad as having a nail put in your wrist and, and in, in, in your feet. You know, ooh, ooh, nearly as bad as a cred. It's nowhere near as bad as any of that. It's just your ego dying. Yeah? Oh, gosh, we've started well tonight. <laughs> so I want to read your story because, because the early church were unashamed. Paul said in, in, uh, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to change lives forever. Not just in this life, but for eternity. And, and when you get older that, you think, I've got to tell everybody. I want to tell everybody. I want everybody to have what I've got. And it's like, well, I don't... You see, they're a Sikh and they're a Buddhist and they're a this and they're a that. And I don't want to impose my... Shut up. Jesus, the king of the universe, has commanded us to go and make disciples. Go and tell them. The reason they're Sikhs and they're Buddhists and they're Muslims and they're this, that and the other is because they've not heard the good news. It's gone quiet. I know in this politically charged, politically correct charged world, but I don't live there. I live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. He's not free to be offensive. I'm not trying to be offensive. I've got a winning art, not a condemning art. Acts chapter 4 goes like this. I know some of you have had a few beers like Acts chapter 4. 
It's my Bible. Anyway, here we go. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter. Can I just say, if this was a pantomime, you'd all be going boo-hiss at this point. Nobody liked the priests or the captain of the temple guard or the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> Religious jokes are the worst. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. What's just taken place is Peter and John has just healed a cripple at the gate, at the beautiful gate at the temple. And he was asking for alms, A-L-M-S, alms. And they gave him legs. No, they said, <laughs> he was asking for money and they said, silver and gold have we not. But such as we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise. And they got hold of him and they pulled him up. That's how you heal people. You don't just go, I pray you'll be healed in the name of Jesus. They get him walking and it's like, I can't, I can't. And he can't, but they keep walking him until he can. Right. It's a bit like getting hold of a tortoise and going, rum, rum, rum. Yeah, anyway, I'm just saying. <laughs> so they get him going. So, so they've healed him and he's leaping and jumping and praising God. Right, fairy cake. Jesus, Jesus. Anyway. He was he was blown away because he's got his legs back. He's like, wow, this is amazing. And all the people saw it and they were praising God and becoming believers. So the, the temple guard, the priests and the Sadducees did not like this because there's another church on the move and it's better than theirs and they don't like it. So they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many, everyone said many, Many who heard the message believed. We've got to start believing in the message because it's powerful. Yeah, yeah. Share the message and people will believe. Yeah. So it's that, but many, many heard the message, uh, uh, many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Who liked 5,000 men in the church? All the women went, yay! <laughs> The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. This is like going to Rome. You know what I'm saying? With all your kind of uh, papal stuff and everything. You know, it's like, it's intimidating. Annas, <laughs> sorry, Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power... Or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you build is rejected, which has become the capstone. You can imagine John at side of him going, it's not looking good. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised they were unschooled, ordinary men, Aslind and I, Moreland High School, <laughs> that's my schools, realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men 
had been with Jesus. That's a transformation. It wasn't education. It was being with Jesus that had transformed them and give them a boldness that education can't give you. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. The Sanhedrin was about 72 of the holiest men in Israel. Uh, and they knew, they knew the Old Testament off by heart. So they weren't playing around. And uh, they, were, they, were, they were scholars and they were intimidating. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. How, what, how powerful is that, that the church was intimidating the church structures? When persecution comes against the true church, it comes from the established churches. The second wave of persecution comes from the secular society. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Can you see how free these men are? They don't come under the fear of the religious leadership. They're, they're out of that and they have a freedom. Why? Because they've already died. They've already died. Jesus said, unless you die, you're not, you're not free. You, you'll never find your life. You've got to lose your life in order to find it. These guys have already died. And uh, they're like, yeah, whatever happens, our times are in God's hands. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people, listen, all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. And it's interesting that, that often the world gets the miraculous before the religious people. Because yeah. they've nothing to hide, they've, they've nothing to defend. They're like, no, he was a cripple, now he's healed. We saw it. Yeah. And this is amazing. We're, not, we're a bit confused, we don't really know. But we just know they said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man did. And he's like, there you go, that's a miracle in our book. Listen to this. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported, oh, back to their dinner party crew, their connect group, yeah? yeah? On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. <laughs> you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They didn't say, protect us, Lord. They said, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a community where they had one mind, one heart, one vision, one purpose. And when that happens, you can move mountains. But that God answered the prayers in a way that he shook the building as if to say, <laughs> I'm here. And he's like, wow, this is, a, this is amazing. I'm just glad it wasn't one of my properties. <laughs> Later on it says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Be careful with that, by the way. Uh, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was so powerfully at work in them all. There were no needy person among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. And uh, the reason I'm saying be careful with that because some Christians have got together and said, nothing's my own, my car is yours. And then people say, all right, I've just took it. And it's like, no, no, no. And then they crash it or they scrape it and everyone gets all bent out of shape and then you have church fallout. The apostles were businessmen. Right. And so they knew how to run stuff. So when stuff were put at the apostles' feet, they didn't just like go, oh, bless you, just come all you poor people, just come and take some money and be blessed. It wasn't like that at all. They were ordering the camp. And you find that as you read through the book of Acts. I haven't time to go on it uh, tonight. But I just wanted you to hear that. Who'd like to be part of a church like that? I'd love that. So I want to say the prerequisite for that is what I'm going to talk about tonight. And that is from Acts chapter 2. And uh, it says this. They, that is the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, everyone say every day. Every day they continued to meet together. I think you know this isn't fellowship. This is a church service. Fellowship happens when you're together during the week. Yeah? Most people mistake this as fellowship. Well, you can be as false as anything at this point. It only lasts an hour. Even I can put a, fo a, a, a face on for a, an hour. You know what I mean? We can all be false for an hour, can't we? Anybody, anybody with me on that? You're all looking as if to say, is, are you being false, Dave? Oh, only for an hour. But you see, true fellowship is where you share life. You know when you've got true fellowship because you, you, you can call a trump a fart. You know what I'm saying? When it's true fellowship, you, you, you can be yourself. Who's ever broken wind in, in somebody's house and you didn't want to, you had to fight it? but it just crept out and you just think I feel like dying and everyone that smelt it felt the same and it's stuff like it's can you see what I'm saying we are all nicer than God and God created our bodies and he created acids in our stomach so that any food passing through will get absolutely anyway but the gas has to go somewhere we can either burp it out or trump it out you know what I'm saying we're called the church of the many farts but we've got to be free. We've got to, true fellowship is where, who's, who's ever gone on holiday with somebody from church and you're just a little bit nervous that they might know what you're really like. You know what I mean? <laughs> who's, ever, who's ever had food with, with people that are just new to you and they, they eat the food with the mouth open? Anybody? Because eating is a very intimate thing. And you have somebody uh, to the side going, and you're like. You see, in true fellowship, you can just say, listen, mate, you, 
do you ever close your mouth when you're eating? No, I can't breathe. I've got something wrong with my sinuses. Well, can you turn your back when you're eating? <laughs> Think about others. I'm being silly, but you know what I'm saying? You, 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 true fellowship happens when you're being real. When you're not being real, it's not true fellowship. It's just a waste of time. It's a waste of everybody's time. And so I want you to understand that word fellowship. When they devoted themselves to the fellowship, then there's a devotion that's needed. You need to, to, to break through the kind of niceties so that we can just be ourselves. So people can see you with your pants down. You know what I'm saying? Right. Not literally. Look at these fellas over here going, when? <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. All the believers were together. Oh, that's brilliant. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They brought bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I want to say that if we want a church like that, a simple phrase, they devoted themselves. Yeah. It doesn't say the apostles were ringing up and texting them, dinner party tonight are you coming no no i can't i've got a, an ingrowing toenail or whatever you know it's like no i can't oh we've got this ch church on sunday are you coming uh, and you know just texting around everybody it wasn't like that he said they devoted themselves and so if we're going to have an explosive church then we have to devote ourselves and well i didn't know where we were meeting i didn't know when it were on it's like find out because i'll tell you what if you wanted to go for a beer you'd find out you go in every pub till you find the right one. <laughs> God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that, that there were no needy person among them. There's something supernatural was always present in, in the meetings, always present. I don't just mean services like this, but when they met in each other's arms, there was something supernatural. You know when we listen to the three-minute video or six minutes when it's me? That video, you know, we should be expecting at the dinner parties for, for, for a breakout from the Holy Spirit. Right. So somebody said, you know, I never saw that on Sunday, but, uh, you know, Dave, what an amazing communicator. Huh? He, you know, and he said this, and all of a sudden everyone goes, I've never seen that neither. Or somebody says, I was listening to the talk on Sunday, and this is what I got from it. And, and, and as you speak, it's, it, everyone goes, that's amazing. And, and, and the, it's, then the atmosphere gets charged, it's electric. Or somebody says, why don't we just pray for those that are sick amongst us? And then we start praying and then people get healed and, and, uh, and stuff. And all of a sudden, Christmas happens. Charles Dickens, you know, wrote A Christmas Carol. Only one. He said, why can't we have Christmas every day? Well, you can when you're a Christian. Because you have Jesus. God with us. And when God is with us, miracles happen. And so we don't live our life by miracles, but do you know what? It's like gravy on your Christmas dinner. Yeah. Without gravy, turkey's good and Brussels sprouts and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> trumping material. <laughs> but you see, when you put the gravy on, it's just, that's it. Yeah. That's really But gravy on its own is no good, yeah? Right. But when you put it all together, I'm just saying, the Holy Spirit's like gravy, just saying. <laughs> anyway, I've got 14 points for us tonight. I am not going to try and get through all 14. I'll get through one, uh, one A, and we'll find one B next week. <laughs> it's going to be a long year this year. Okay, number one, they were individually devoted. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves. That phrase has revolutionized my Christianity. Because for years I've tried to entertain and, and get people switched on. And, and you're picking them up and you're dropping them off and you're doing everything for them. And, uh, and so I've, 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 I've uh, detached myself from that truck. And it's like, nah, we put it out there if you want to come, great. And if you don't, that's fine, that's up to you. I'm going reaching them that don't even know. And I'm hoping that there's a trail behind me, but if there isn't, I'm going reaching them. Because you know now. So it's like, I'd love you to be as excited about it as me. But if you're not, then that's fine. And if you're miserable, just be miserable. Because there's nothing I can do. I am not. I am not your mood manager. But you're not somebody else's mood manager. Yeah? yeah? So I just want to get us ready for this next year because I want some energy in yeah. church. I am bored with boring church. Yeah. And there's, I, I don't want a, a church that's all hyped. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for reality that's got a throb in it that says we've got purpose, we know where we're going, and we're involved, we're on it. Yeah. That stops a lot of critics. Yeah. People criticize when they're not doing anything. Yeah. When you're in the thick of things, you don't criticize anything. You are glad. When somebody makes a mistake, you think, well, I'm glad you were with me anyway. At least I'm not on my own. So they devoted themselves. This implies that each believer was personally responsible for growing their relationship with God and for playing their part in building a vibrant church. They were self-starters and self-feeders. Question, what are you reading at the moment? If you're not a reader, what are you listening to at the moment? Because it's down to, you've got to put it in in order to give it out. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yeah? Who's got a mobile phone? Anybody in here? <laughs> you know that mobile phone needs charging. And as much as it's a, 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 an imposition sometimes, you think, oh, you know, but you, you have to. You just have to charge it up. Otherwise, you, you know your life's gone at that point, right? And it's the same with your spiritual life. If you're not feeding it, it goes. The fact is we've got human life, we just carry on, but the quality goes. The supernatural leaves you and life becomes mundane and you become negative and, uh, you know, can't be bothered and the energy goes. So I want a church that's full of energy, but it's like anything else. If there's no petrol in the tank, the car is not going to go. Yeah. So we have to put petrol in the tank. Yeah, changing my metaphor, but I'm just saying. I love doing that. So they're all self-starters and self-feeders. And you might say, well, I'm not. Well, you need to. You need to become, because that's what they, they devoted themselves. I didn't write the script. So if you're sloppy in your mind, you've got to become sharper in your mind, yeah? yeah? I've been sloppy in my mind. I've been one of the laziest men on planet Earth. And I'm not even claiming now to be the, the, the artist working. I am, but I'm not claiming it. You just need to notice it. So things have to change. Transformation with Jesus. That's why I'm absolutely sold on him. My work ethic's gone up. So my wages go up. And then, as I'm bringing my kids up, they've got something to aim at now. Gosh, they would have had, they'd have had to live life down to get to my level. So it's, the gospel is the most powerful thing on earth. Yeah. The most. Yeah. When people give you the gift of their devotion, or give church leaders the gift of their devotion, the leaders can lead, facilitate, and resource and direct that passion for Christ and his kingdom. Yeah. And we can say, we're going to plant there. And people, yeah, there's a yes in the heart. And it's like, come on, somebody. I know some of you were disappointed when we pulled the church. It had been going for five or six years at Spurrier Gate. And then, you know, when we got together, I'm saying, so why didn't you just say, let me lead it? And it'll be because, well, I don't think I can. I don't know. But you see, the boldness of the early church would have been, well, somebody's got to do it. 
and I'm here, here I am, Lord, use me. Yeah? I'm not telling anyone off. I'm speaking into your disappointment. So I'm saying, get yourself ready, re- reassess stuff and say, in future, I'm, if it's to be, it's down to me. Right. Be, be devoted. Yeah. See, I could have I continued that church because I'm like that, but I just thought, I can't be bothered anymore. Why? Because I'll have to keep you going. I don't want to keep you going. It's enough to keep me going. Right. So I was like, no, you keep yourself going. Because yeah, when we're all keeping ourselves going, you know what? We're, we're, we're moving. Yeah. This attitude is the basic fuel for every growing church. And at the core of everything, of every thriving church, you will find a group of people like this, individually devoted to Jesus and becoming like him. Sorting your attitudes out. When you, when, when you can't forgive people, you say, no, I have to learn to forgive. Why? Because that's Jesus' way. And you've got, eventually you stop being your sad, sorry, sinful, selfish self. Who's ever been sad with that person? I have with myself. And then you start to become like Christ and you're like, I'm liking myself a lot better. Yeah. I'm liking who I'm becoming. And it's that transformation. But it doesn't happen automatically. You have to engage the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You have to engage God. God Almighty. You've got to switch off the phone, move away from your friends and get along and get with God and just say, I need to sort some things out in my life. Yeah? yeah. yeah. Most Christians are skin deep. What we've got is a lot of knowledge but it's not dropped from the, the mind to the heart. The way that it drops from the mind to the heart is trouble. Yeah. There's very, there's, I, I don't think there's any other way for it to drop from here to there, because when trouble comes, you question your faith. Yeah. I love the Christian faith, because God doesn't guard you from everything, and it's like when you're nipped, you feel it, ow! And when your faith's nipped, yeah. you're like, oh, where were you, God? And all of a sudden, we're on a journey, do, do, you, do you even exist? I remember giving my life to you 25 years ago on Fleetwood Fish Market. But, but now it's like, where are you? And that's a really healthy question. Where are you? I think God's left me. Well, have you never read the Bible? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, but I just feel, well, that's your problem. You're like Robbie Williams. I just want to feel. And we've got to move from feelings to facts. Have faith in the facts. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. So I never pray for God to be with you. If somebody goes for an interview, I say, oh, Lord, be with them. It's a silly prayer. Right, yeah. like God is with you. Yeah. So don't let them blow it. That's what I, that's, that's what I say. <laughs> don't let them blow it. Listen to this from Jude, Jesus' brother, one of his brothers. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, it's like praying in tongues, keep yourselves in the love of God as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to the eternal life. Keep yourselves. It's what you have to do. We just assume it's going to happen. No, no, no. Every day we keep ourselves in the love of Christ. The Apostle Peter says, make your calling and election sure. But it's something we have to do. And so we've got to learn and we've got to grow and we've got to understand what God's like. And you get that by reading his word. So number two. So they devoted themselves. Is number one. They devoted themselves individually. We are a unit. But we are units. You know what I'm saying? Within the unit. Yeah. Or is it the other way? Anyway, there we go. Number two. God's word was read, taught and outworked. In the early church. And when you read the book of Acts, the church grew to about three quarters of a million in Jerusalem. That was incredible. He says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Listen, it's not enough to listen to a podcast by a great preacher. Ask yourself, is this great preacher building church? 
Because there's a difference. Attracting a crowd is one thing. Building a church is another. You can attract a crowd by a circus, but if you want that crowd to keep coming, you've got to keep the circus going. Entertainment. And that's not, I'm not part of the entertainment business. It, it, it's, it's, we're building church. What's the guy called? Kanye West, is it? Yeah. And he's called one of his kids North, Northwest. Genius. <laughs> but he's, somebody said to me, well, he's building an amazing church. You know, he's got all the choirs. And I think what he's doing, by the way, I think it's amazing. I think it's fabulous. But he's not building church, he's buying church. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can pay all them, pe- all them people to come and perform for you. And that's not wrong. I'm, not, I'm, I'm definitely not having a go because young people look to him. And at least he's pointing somewhere now. I'm thinking that's fantastic. But don't mistake that from, for building church. Right. Yeah. You know, building church is when somebody in your connect group or dinner party, and you haven't seen them for a week or two, and you, you text them, you go around and say, what's the matter? Yeah. Come on, you drainer. I'm wasting my time coming talking to you, you know, devote yourself. And then you light a fire in the heart and you get them going again. That's building church. And then they get going. And after a few years, you see them and you see them leading worship. You see them doing stuff. You're thinking, I'm glad I went round. But you see, it costs you to build church. But they devoted themselves to doing it. I don't just want to reach the lost. I want something decent for them to come amongst. I I don't want them to come amongst gossips and people that wants to fail. It's like, oh, I'm a failure. Goodness sake. Failing doesn't make you a failure. It just means you failed at something. Well, keep going. The Bible says we're more than conquerors. Romans chapter 8 verse... It says we are more than conquerors through Christ. But you're not more than a conqueror until you've conquered some things. Yeah? Yeah. Who feels like they're being shouted at tonight? (laughs) I've read this talk and I just thought, flipping heck Dave, I'm shouting at myself. I was having a shower. He said, if you don't get out of here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that towel and throw it down the landing. <laughs> You'll have to drip dry. <laughs> Horrible picture. <laughs> Their devotions was to the apostles' teaching. So it meant that they listened eagerly to, to what was being communicated. You know, when we first started Global, everyone had their phone. I don't know that everyone was taking notes. Because <laughs> a lot of people got married around that time. But... <laughs> We used to say, have a notepad, have your phone, take notes. And I want to say to some of you, after you've took notes, read them. You know, read them during that week. They eagerly applied God's word to their life. If all you ever do is get realigned every Sunday, you are not devoting yourself. And the devil is never inspired, he's never frightened by, he's never threatened by you because he knows you don't mean it. it. We used to go to football matches when we were young. I didn't go to many, but they used to scare the living daylights out of me. But you know, you're gonna get your flipping head kicked in. But you see, you could hear in a voice whether they meant it or not. And you got people who, were, who was with a gang, that they, they could have the big voice, and they were like Billy Big, <coughs> big Muscles, <laughs> right? But you see, once a fight started, you knew then whether or not they were going to engage. And many, many, many of us don't engage the fight. But we can sing it in worship and we can tell our friends, you know, oh, we're reading this the other day. And it's like, when trouble comes, it's like you're a non-Christian. 
you haven't got Jesus, you haven't got anything. You've no hope, you've no nothing. You've absolutely zilch. And so God has to allow problems into your world in order to get hold of that head knowledge and make it uh, um, experiential, make it reality in your heart. And you start to grow as a Christian. And I think, uh, you know, within many churches, global included, if we had to draw a picture of what a body of a person would be like in here, it would be a big head and a very little body, an even smaller heart. We've got lots of knowledge about God. You know, we can say, oh yeah, the Gospel of John says this, that says that. So we've got a big head, but we've got a little body because we've not assimilated it from the mind into the body. That's why James says, count it pure joy when all sorts of trouble come your way and temptations. Count it pure joy. Why? Because God's moving it from your head to your heart. How do I know this? In Mark's Gospel somewhere, right at the beginning, probably chapter 4 or somewhere like that, Jesus is teaching about the the seed and the the farmer goes out and he sows his seed. And it's a parable uh, uh, of the sower. And some falls on tough ground, uh, on a path, and uh, the birds of the air come and you know, peck it and eat it up so it doesn't bear any fruit. And then some falls on rocky ground and some uh, goes into the soil and it sprouts up and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it, it grows very quickly but then it withers because it's, it's not deep enough in, in the soil. The soil's shallow. And then some falls on good ground and it produces a crop of 30, 60, 100 fold. And then Jesus said, you know, the way that this works is that, that the, the, the word, the seed is the word and it's scattered and when it falls on, on somebody's heart it's like falling on a path and he says and the devil comes and he takes it and he snatches the word because they don't understand it it hasn't dropped they haven't applied it, they haven't got it the light bulb hasn't gone on and so it's easily taken away and then some uh, falls on rock, rocky ground and it's like it can't just can't thrive there. It's just too hard. And then some falls uh, on 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 good soil, but it's amongst thorns and thistles and different things. They get choked the 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 the, uh, the soil, but it does spring up for a while. And 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 it, you know it's full of joy. You know people like that are full of joy for a while, and then they stop coming to church because it didn't go deep. And then some falls on good soil. And I want to say that to have good soil, you you can change your heart from it being a path or a rock or thistles and shallow soil, you can change it to being good soil by saying, I'm going to go through these pressures and problems, God. And, and it's like you're tilling. Like if, a, if it's a soil path, it's like putting a fork in and you're turning it over and you're breaking up the hardness and you water it. How do you water it? Keep reading the Word and speaking it out. You water it by speaking it out. And Jesus told the, the, the disciples, this is how faith works. You've got to get God's Word in your heart. Yeah? And you've got to believe it and keep working with God's Word. And then there's a storm comes up on, on the lake. And they go, you know, Jesus is asleep in the boat. And they're going, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to drown. And he said, where's your faith? Meaning, you should do what I'm about to do. Didn't you hear me teaching about the Word? You had the Word today and you thought it was marvellous emotion. And they should have said to the wind and the waves, stop it, calm down. And they didn't. Jesus had to get up and do it. And it's like, I've still got kids with me. And he expected, and they were only teenage lads, but he expected that they would get it and do it. And 
And I'm, so I'm having that same expectation. And I'm saying, unless trouble comes your way, then it doesn't come from here to there. It's easy to be a believer when everything's going well. But when you have to put up the shield of faith, when Satan says you're rubbish, you're a failure, or you're gonna fail. You know, you've stepped out on a project, you're gonna fail at work. And you're going, oh no, I'm gonna fail. No, you're not. Put the shield of faith up and say, who are you? I can do all things through Christ. I'm showing you, my shield's a bit wonky. You know, the sword of the Spirit starts speaking God's word out. It's all stored in there. We've got to work the word until the, until the word works for you. Faith is voice activated. So what do we call them things, you know, where you say, what's she called? Alexa. She's voice activated, isn't she? I've got some funnies on that. I'll leave that for another time. Voice activated. And it's the same with God's word. It's voice activated. You have to say it out. It's not enough to think it. You'll be defeated. You have to speak it out. It's creative. There's, there's lots more I could teach on this, but I have another 12 points for next week. So we'll save them. And I might just send you the notes through because I don't know that we're going to get through it all. But I want a church that's got a heartthrob and that's got purpose and that's got energy. If you're going to a dinner party with no energy, stop going. Tell them, I'm bored with you. I'm bored with me. I'm going to join another one. Yeah? Or can we just change? Can we just change for me? Selfish me. Yeah? And I'm telling you that because we've had connect groups and, and we've gone for three or four years and people said, well, they were boring. And people stop going and then the leaders tell them off for not coming. It's like, no, give them something to come to. We haven't got a license to bore people. We're not their entertainer, but you know anybody that's serious about going on with God, these, these meetings, any, anything that we do should have energy and life. And if it doesn't, it starts at the top. It starts at the leaders. We don't blame people, we train them. And it starts at leadership level. And, and so we have got to ensure that people are like, are you on board? Because if you're on board, we're going, we're going somewhere. And when people come and, and they say, oh, I've got this problem, do not go visiting them. We're more, we're more concerned with visiting people who can't be bothered working their mind and working their scriptures and stuff. We're more bothered about, well, I just want to show that we're loving and that. Stop it, they're lazy. They can't be bothered. They're not serious. They've not devoted themselves. Go looking for the lost. They know Jesus and they can't be bothered with him. We've got to find them that don't know Jesus. And when they get him, they're like, wow. So when, when we've got, you know, the guys from Clifton, the guys from Ewith, and they've come, it's like, Jesus is everything. I'm thinking, oh, now you're talking my language. Isn't it funny that people want to be with them now? So what about you? Do they want to be with you? I've been a Christian 25 years. What, same year? 25 times. Your life's crap. It's crap. Unless there's a dynamic about it. And it's not that, well, it's not my, per it's not about personality. It really isn't about personality. But, I, you know, this year, if, if we're going to take territory, battle is the seed for taking territory. And it's going to get hotter this year. And mine monsters will come. I'm telling you. I have mine monsters for breakfast. I do. It's like Rice Krispies at Kellogg's. I don't know what to have. We have mine monsters. And they will come knocking on your door. And you have to defeat them. God won't defeat them for you. There comes a time where you have to stop saying, my big brother's gonna, I'm gonna get my big brother onto you. Your enemy needs to know you're gonna deal with him. And so I'm saying that, 
because there's stuff coming through the fellowship and I'm, I'm hearing you and you're going through stuff and I want to encourage you, you that are going through really tough times, let, let that tough time bring God's word from your mind into your heart and into your hands. Head, heart, hands. People have had a go at me with that, oh, head and heart hands, oh, we've got to do head and heart hands. I'm thinking you have not got a clue what I'm talking about. And sometimes, you know, people really display you know, the fact that they are an idiot and you try to protect them, but sometimes they just display it. Head, heart, hands. It's got to move from here right into our value system, experience, and, 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 and we'll then we'll live it out and share it with others. And it's not just evangelists that share it. The whole, the whole church in, 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 in the New Testament, everybody shared the faith and there was nobody prodding them in the back with a sword or a spear. So come on guys, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm exhorting you tonight. It's not a telling off, it's an exhortation. To like saying, come on, it's gotta come, head, heart, hands. They devoted themselves. Become a self-feeder, become a self-starter. You start it. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 